0: SEC fans, this is John Chris, senior writer for Saturday Down South. Welcome to another installment of the SDS podcast. Coming to you from the iHeartMedia studio, WDAE in Tampa, Florida, 620 a.m. and 95.3 FM. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, at SaturdayJC. Our guest for this episode is former Alabama running back Bobby Humphrey. He's the third leading rusher in Crimson Tide history and had he not gotten hurt his senior year he would have blown way past what Derrick Henry and Sean Alexander were able to do after him he's also the father of former Bama cornerback Marlon Humphrey who won a national championship with the Tide in 2015 and was just a first round pick this past spring of the Baltimore Ravens you can follow him on Twitter at the hump 26 Bobby thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, man. Delighted to be on. Delighted to be on. boy. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that uh, that uh, I was third on the list. No kidding. Uh, yeah, I, I've been, I thought I was still number one. <laughs> Living in the past, baby.
0: Yeah, it happens. It happens. Trust me, I do the same. <laughs> the Saturday Down South podcast is brought to you by Ticket City. There are some sensational matchups in the SEC for Week 8. Tennessee at Bobby's alma mater, Alabama. Kentucky, Mississippi State... LSU, Old Miss, Auburn, and Arkansas, now is the time to get your tickets. We've been working with Ticket City for quite some time. They are the experts in the field, having served over a million and a half customers. They've been the place to go for over 30 years now. And best of all, they are taking care of our podcast listeners this fall. Just visit TicketCity.com and enter the discount code SDS20, and you're going to get 20 bucks off the game of your choice. Again, TicketCity.com, discount code SDS20. Get off the couch, go to the game, visit TicketCity.com today. All right, Bobby, as we get started here, you have five children who are all sensational athletes. Marlon, we've mentioned already, but I want to talk about the best athlete in the Humphrey family, which, of course, is your wife, Barbara. Uh, she was a sensational track athlete herself at UAB. I believe still holds the 400-meter record at that program. And I have to ask you a really, really honest question. Was this a true love situation, or was this a LeVar Ball kind of deal where you're looking around the state of Alabama saying, I better find me an athlete to marry and have children with one day if I'm going to keep this going in terms of the athletes?
1: Absolutely the latter. <laughs> Hey, I looked around the state and I tried to pick out. Hey, hey, what can we kind of? Re- what can we produce that's going to be fast, uh, physical, and athletic? And 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 she was the choice. She was a state leader. So, uh, but no, uh, seriously, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, you know, I met her in high school. She ran at a rival school, Jacksonville High School, across town, and uh, met her at a track meet. Obviously, she was dusting. And toasting someone on the track, uh, but uh, it, it was a it was a true love come true. And um, I tell you, it, it, she really is the most athletic one in the family. All the things that I did and uh, things that my kids have done, uh, her rookie steel hose that she, she sent way back in 1986. You know, at UAB, and uh, that's pretty amazing considering the athletes that have come through there uh in track and field uh one being vanetta flowers who she also coached uh both in high school and in college uh so she's um but you know we have a lot of a lot of the kids that follow up under there and i wouldn't dare try to pick which one is more athletic than the other because <laughs> they're very we're very fortunate to have them
0: now i'm guessing i'm guessing you at your peak barbara at her peak when you're in your early twenties or so. I'm guessing you could get her in the 40 yard dash just fine, but be honest with me, 400 meters. Who's winning that race? You or Barbara?
1: Well, I can tell you right now, I'm not even gonna race her in the 40. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, 400 meters? no, nah, that's uh, that's 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 a little bit too long and too fast.
0: That's all the way around you know, the track. That's a long way.
1: Yeah, one time around the track. Yeah, you think of it doing things one time, but that's a hard one-time thing,
0: one thing to do. <laughs> all right, now my listeners and my readers, of course, know your son Marlon the best with what he did uh, in Tuscaloosa and now with Baltimore, but tell me about all five kids in the Humphrey family because they really have some sensational stories and they've done some amazing things. I can't imagine how proud you and Barbara are, but give our listeners and, and readers a snapshot of not just Marlon and what he's done, but your other four children as well as athletes.
1: Well, I, I tell you, I go from the top to bottom. My uh, oldest is uh, uh, Marjorie Humphrey. He uh, played his high school ball at Hoover. Uh, he played both basketball, football, and he ran track in the spring. And um, he's a state champ, uh, two time state champ in football, two time state champ in, in track and field. Uh, and uh, he actually won the 100 uh, his senior year. And uh, beat a guy by the name of Corey Grant, who was in the NFL. Now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you've heard that name, Corey Grant. Uh, he, he was the reigning state champ uh, his junior year and uh, and his sophomore year. And was kind of trying to get a, a back-to-back 100-meter state champs. And my son, my oldest son, beat him. He went on to play ball my time, went on to play ball at Arkansas. And then later transferred to UAB and finished his football career at UAB. My daughter went to UAB in quest to break uh, my uh, my wife's 400 meter record because she was a 200 400 meter runner. And Brianna ended up graduating there with a uh, with a degree and uh, there at UAB in communications. And she is uh, in her field and uh, uh, director of social media, and also doing some uh, 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 kind of like some uh, side, uh, you know, interviews and doing some freelance stuff in terms of uh, interviewing and, and uh, things of that nature. And <clears throat> and obviously you know about Marlon and Brittley is uh, only ran track in high school, and she's at LSU. She did qualify for the NCAA. Uh, Last year as a freshman in the hundred-meter hurdles Uh, So she's at LSU and she just does the hurdles. I think they may have her uh, Destined to be on a few relays maybe the four by one this year Uh, But I I know for a fact she's going to continue to do the the hundred-meter hurdles. She was also uh, State champion hundred meters. she actually won both the 60 meter indoor hurdles and the hundred-meter outdoor hurdles For entire four years in high school. Wow. In the state, of Alabama. So, um, you know, she kind of set that record early, uh, and encouraged her to kind of stay focused. And I told her she could possibly do it. A lot of people gonna be trying to come for her. And matter of fact, the, the one that pushed her the most was the girl Caitlin Little, on her team, who finished second behind her both her junior and senior year, but was right on her heels. And uh, so she 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 bounced year whatever right and every day, and there was many world's. Uh, four years in a row in high school, and uh, and Marion, my youngest, is a basketball player and track runner, and he's he's a senior at Hoover, and uh, he is the only one that is really really uh, out of the boys. Uh, he's probably going to try to play basketball somewhere uh, uh, next year after his senior year. He, he really loves basketball, so that's kind of like the Humphrey family, very competitive. Uh, I mean I'm telling you, they they ran the dinner table when they were young. They. If you didn't do well, if somebody beat you for a touchdown, somebody ran you over, or somebody beat you in a race, it it was talked about, joked about, and made fun of at the table among them five. So it's been a lot of fun watching them as kids grow up and develop.
0: Now, for our listeners who aren't quite sure, Hoover High School, by the way, absolute football factory, one of the premier high school programs in the country. You also mentioned the LSU track team. LSU is one of the better track teams in the country. So not only are the Humphreys doing it pretty hardcore, they're doing it at some sensational programs from sport to sport. But what I wanted to move on to was, obviously you're a former professional athlete, a former All-American at Alabama, a former first-round pick of the Denver Broncos. You were on the ballot for the College Football Hall of Fame this past year. But I'm curious what your experience was like growing up with these children, say, in Little League situations or in Pop Warner situations. How much did you get involved in maybe the coaching of your children at a very young age? Over maybe you're just maybe you're going to a game or a baseball game or a basketball game and you're sitting in the stands and you're watching how your children, six, eight or 10 years old, are being coached. And you probably have forgotten more about athletics than some of the dads that are out there trying to teach your kids what to do. It, was that easy for you? Were you heavily involved or were you sort of just watching from the sideline and maybe just sort of you know, clenching your teeth because uh, you're not happy with what you're seeing from time to time?
1: Well, you know, it's it's, it's a combination of uh, both, uh, uh, but I realized that to to them I was only uh, a dad. So, uh, you know, I would I would kind of like drop certain things at the house or in the car that I would hope they remember and they could see and understand, but not a whole lot. So, you know, the coaches. I've only coached my daughter, Brittley, in basketball and Marlin in youth basketball. And I coached one. I was the head coach for Marlin's football team his, when he was in sixth grade. And that's the only involvement I've ever, I've ever had with them in terms of coaching them. I've never, I've never tried to be their coach at home. Uh, when somebody else was coaching, I never went against the coach that was coaching them. Uh, I can remember one time I was telling my Dree because he was playing in sixth grade, playing on the football team, and I would say, "Son, you know, if if the guy has set the end and you can't get on the outside, you know, obviously he was the fastest one, you know, in the league. Uh, but but the coaches had already informed him that they wanted him to get outside." Get outside. Well obviously when you're playing in the sixth grade, you get outside, you're gonna beat everybody. If you fast enough, you're you'll beat everybody to the corner and beat everybody down the field for a touchdown. So a couple of times he couldn't get outside and he could have just cut inside and then got back outside. So I told him that one day about my drinkers if the guy already sitting outside waiting on you because that's what most defense coordinators would do. If a guy is fast, just set a guy there, just don't let him get around the corner. But he, he was still trying to get around the corner. So I said, Madriga, you need to cut inside and then bounce back outside. He said, no, Dad, you're not right. That's not right. You're not supposed to do that. The coach has told me to get outside, so I'm supposed to run outside. So I was like, okay, all pro.
0: Yeah, what do you know, Dad? What do you know?
1: Yeah, what? A- <laughs> so, uh, so you know, though, so, um, you know, and then from that point on, you know, uh, I've never gotten involved. I always give them a little few nuggets, but I, I never really coached them or I never really did any kind of personal training <laughs> and, and all that there. I just kind of let them uh, enjoy themselves. And, you know, when they make mistakes, the coach is going to get on you. I mean, I don't know of a coach that don't get on a kid who makes a mistake. So I felt like, you know, why should – he hear from the coach and get home and hear from dad too. So I, I kinda was a little bit more flexible and easy on the kids when they was involved in sports. But I enjoyed every moment of it. I tell you if I can have a fifty cent, uh, a, a penny, a dime for every hot dog and soda pop I bought at them concession stands, I'd be sitting pretty well.
0: <laughs> I saw the contract that Marlon signed with the Ravens. I'm sure everyone's doing just fine in the Humphrey family right about now. But uh <laughs> Obviously, all your boys can play, and a lot of them played football and played it at a very high level. But tell me the first moment when you saw Marlon. Maybe it was that sixth grade team that you coached. Maybe it was in high school at Hoover. Maybe it was you know not until he was a redshirt freshman and had a chance to get on the field for Coach Saban. But tell me the moment when you're watching Mar- Marlon play and said to yourself, said to Barbara, said to whomever, you know what? This kid has what I had. He's going to be special. He's got all-American talent. He's got first-round talent. This is going to be somebody playing on Sunday. Well,
1: I, I couldn't see that far, uh, John. I'll be honest with you. I mean, but uh, I knew, uh, you know, obviously, first year of football in the Humphrey household is sixth grade. So they 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 did not play until sixth grade, and that was kind of the rule my wife set. Um, she, uh, although I, I, I kind of wanted him to play a tad bit earlier, uh, but she said, "Well, Bobby, you didn't start playing till you was in eighth grade, so sixth grade is fair enough." And and, and that was the end of that. Uh, but but I thought when he was in sixth grade, he done he had did some things on the field that that kind of surprised me that that he hadn't been taught. But he had this natural instinct of cutbacks and, and, and cutting off, you know, defenders and, and aggressive tackling. Um, he had a long run, about a 70-yard run, and it was just so impressive. But he started out playing running back, obviously. And uh, the things that he was doing led me to believe that he was probably going to be a pretty decent football player. Now I had no idea that he would be an a NFL-type guy. But I knew after his junior year in high school that he was going to be a pretty darn good college player. I felt like he he was. He was um, his instinct for the game and his ability to cover and flip his hips. And and most important thing, John, is you know when you have speed, <laughs> that's that's something that you either you have it or you don't. And, and he had that. So he had the three key things in, in a defensive back. He had great feet, great hips. And then he had uh, amazing speed. I mean, he ran 10-4 in the 100. And he wasn't afraid to hit anybody. So you're talking about speed, instinct, and not afraid to hit. I mean, those three, uh, you check those three boxes, and you got your pretty, you a pretty good football player.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's always what I enjoyed most about Marlon's game when he was with the Crimson Tide was sometimes a lot of corners or pretty boys and what have you, and it's all about covering and interceptions and trying for pick sixes and the like. But Marlon could fill a gap, and he could attack the line of scrimmage, and he would blow somebody up if he could. I loved his physicality, which is kind of unique at that position. But for a lot of our listeners who don't know, you played at Alabama, you wore number 26 at Alabama, and Marlon did the same. He went to Alabama, he wore number 26. Was there any hesitation on your part? was there any hesitation on Marlon's part to go to your school, to go to your number? Was there ever a conversation you needed to have say, you know what, son, maybe you should go to somewhere in the ACC or go somewhere in the Big 12 and kind of create your own legacy. Maybe following in the old man's footsteps isn't the way for you. How did that conversation go with him when he was, say, a senior in high school and making up his mind for National Signing Day?
1: Well, he had some options on the table, and. Um, uh he came down to Florida State and Alabama. Um, Don't
0: tell me that because I'm a Florida State guy, by the way.
1: But, oh, my God. Well, I'm sorry, to, <laughs> I'm sorry to hit you below the belt. But I'm telling you, he, he, really, he really liked Coach Fisher. And at the time when Coach Pruitt was there, uh, a friend had a couple of friends that were in school there that he he, he constantly, you know, stayed in contact with. Uh, So, I mean, he really, really he really liked Florida State and and Alabama, and and those were the two that it came down to. And it came down pretty late uh, to him making his decision. And and there was no pressure on him to go to Alabama. Uh, My wife and I never got involved. We kind of let him enjoy the process. We enjoyed the process. Uh, I always felt that Marlon always, you know, Dance to his own drum. He's gonna beat his own drum, bounce his own ball. So, I don't think, um, you know, he was fearful or intimidated at all about what I had accomplished there. I think he's uh, a really, really good goal setter, and works real hard to try and try to achieve goals. So, uh, me being a a two-time All-American at Alabama did not fear him at all about going in and establishing himself as uh, one of the elite players uh, to, to attend Alabama. So, uh, no, no, that had nothing to do with it, John, in terms of my environment or whether or not he was pressured or whether or not he was fearful to, you know, to take on the role of going to Alabama behind his father. You know, I myself thought about it because, you know, you think about that, you know, in order for Marlon to do as good as, as I did, he would have to be a two-time All-American on you know, in, term, in terms of uh, of awards and things, uh, but you know, I was kind of concerned that that was going to be a comparison. Media was going to eat him up. That he, you know, nowhere close to stand. I was concerned about that, but I, I never mentioned it to anybody. This matter of fact, you the first one to hear it on your show. <laughs> uh, that I was concerned about about that. Uh, because people started to do the comparison. And, and, and I, I, I felt that it shouldn't be too much comparison, being that he was a defensive back. Correct. So that cut a little bit of the edge off by him being playing a different position. Uh, however, there are some people that will still find a way to compare. But I, I thought he came in and did a very, very good job. I think Coach Saban did a great job of recruiting. I mean, just because I attended Alabama, um, Coach Saban uh, didn't use that as a clutch. And, uh he and his staff and the recruiting coordinator they recruited him just like he his dad had never attended Alabama you know they recruited him hard, they didn't ask for my help uh they they recruit him just like they recruit any other kids that, that don't have any ties to to the university so I, I credit them and their staff and how they went about recruiting him and uh and and, 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 and treating him, you know uh, for who he is and not for who he was he was daddy, whose daddy was. So, you know, I, I appreciate that. And uh, I never got a chance to air Coach saving that. But, you know, one day when I sit down and talk to him, I let him know I appreciate the way they handled Marlon when he was there.
0: Yeah, I'm guessing so, the but, yeah, I'm that the different positions made a huge, huge difference. Imagine being, you know, Barry Sanders Jr. trying to play running back or, or one of Michael Jordan's kids trying to be a shooting guard. Being on the other side of the ball, I'm sure, helped tremendously for Marlon. Uh, You're listening to the Saturday Down South podcast. Our guest is former Alabama running back Bobby Humphrey. If you're listening, then you know the South loves football. You know what the South also loves? Crystal. That's right, Crystal, home of the classic Crystal Burger. They are ready to hook you up for your tailgate. The Crystal, the one you grew up with, the one you loved in college way after midnight. Right now, it's only 79 cents all day, every day, as many as you want, 79 cents each And because no tailgate is complete without chicken wings, Crystal has you covered there as well. All wings, any wings, 49 cents a pop, Saturdays and Sundays, whether it's boneless or traditional, buffalo, barbecue, any wing, any sauce, 49 cents each all weekend long. And best of all, Crystal is going to hook up the Saturday Down South podcast listeners all season long. Text SDS to 37793 right now. And you're going to get two free crystals. That's SDS to 37793 via text message. 79 cent crystals, 49 cent wings. I guarantee if you show up to your tailgate with a steamer pack full of crystals, you are going to be voted MVP. All right, Marlon. I'm sorry, Marlon. I'm sorry, Bobby. Let's talk about your (laughs) career. Uh, I'm sure that's a mistake that's been made before. Let's talk about your career uh, with the Crimson and White. Uh, you had two years playing for Ray Perkins. You had two years playing for Bill Curry. These were the coaches between Bear Bryant and his legendary status, national championship coach. And then after that, Gene Stallings, another national championship coach. So you played for some pretty good Alabama teams, but historically not significant. I think you won 10 games once. You are in the Sun Bowl a couple of times, the Aloha Bowl. Not the more memorable Crimson Tide teams of the past, So when you get together with, you know, former athletes from the school and former teammates and you get around Marlon and some of his buddies uh, when they were in school there, do you ever feel cheated a little bit? Like you didn't quite get the full Tuscaloosa experience like some players before and after you?
1: Absolutely. Uh, The way things are now compared to the way they were back then, uh, boy, I tell you, it's like night and day. Uh, you know, you think about me being a higher draft pick than Marlon and Marlon going one one person after me and you look at what he signed for and look at what I signed for. and I'm like, wait a minute, (laughs) Uh, something's wrong here. Um, The experience and the game day experience and the college experience that kids are exposed to now and they go through now is, um, it's, it's, it's strange, but it's, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun the things that they have nowadays it's unbelievable uh but that's what college sports and and, and, and college football has gotten to and when we get together with the guys we talk about how fortunate you know, the guys in my era we talk about how fortunate the guys of marlins marlins group uh are because there, there are so many different things so many things that that they have now you know they can you know, you can eat at the complex now. They, you know, they're building a, a a state-of-the-art, you know, cafeteria facility that's right there next to the complex. So now, you know, you can walk out the practice field, take a shower, and you go right into the cafeteria and eat dinner or lunch. You know, so, you know, and, and that's all credited to, you know, the movement and the things that Coach Saban has created down there for the guys. And I'm quite sure it's going on some other campuses as well, probably not to the extent that it's going on in Alabama. But, uh, you know, they're also being upgraded all across the country at various universities. So these kids now have uh, a golden opportunity and they have the resources uh, to be able to be successful. Uh, you know, so, yes, I, I, I do. We talk about it all the time.
0: So after Coach Stallings, you have Coach Mike DuBose and then Dennis Francione and then Mike Shula. And and don't forget about the hour and a half that uh, Mike Price was actually the head coach of this team. And then Coach Saban comes in and he had the reputation he did. A little bit of a hired gun, you know, three or four years here, three or four years there. Michigan State, LSU, the Dolphins, kind of all over the place. He didn't have a pristine image when he showed up. He was a hell of a coach, everybody knew that. But I think even people when he got the Tuscaloosa figured this was another three or four year stop before he goes back to the NFL or something like that. Could you ever have imagined the sustained level of success that Coach Sabin has had? And frankly, just him sticking around, this is now year eleven for him, and it certainly seems like the last job he'll ever have.
1: You no, know, I I really did. Um uh, and um uh, I don't know. You seem like a pretty good guy with history, but I, I don't know if I know of a program that has have sustained uh, the level of excellence over the number of years that he has sustained it.
0: It's tough to find.
1: It's, it's it is. Who's who's comparing?
0: You know what? I'm a Florida State guy, and uh, Bobby Bowden had that run from 1987 to 2000, where he finished in the top four every single year. But there was only two titles, not four. So yeah, even I say you know, what Saban's done is, is twice as impressive as Coach Bowden, as tough as that is for me to spit out.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. you know, I didn't know that uh, you know, I didn't know that he had that run uh, by the Bowden. That was a guy that got really liked his, uh, as a coach. He had a great coach. Uh, but I didn't no, I didn't know that. Eighty seven to two thousand, thirteen years. Oh,
0: 14 wow. seasons in a row finished in the top four nationally.
1: No, I see I didn't know that stat. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, but but the top um, level I'm, success for Coach Saban is, 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 as far as I'm concerned, it's unprecedented.
1: Yeah, I, that's, I, I would have never thought that if you were, if you were backtrack back to when he first came there, 11 years ago, I, I, I would have never dreamed of him winning four national championships and being ranked in the top two uh, playing for it. I mean, he let's see, he played, he's only lost one. So he's played in five national championships in 11 years man that's uh that's pretty amazing yeah no i i I couldn't have dreamt that and i don't i don't think nobody i don't think nobody else could have predicted that if they did i don't think they're truthful
0: yeah i think you're probably right so uh uh, before we let you get going here, I would love to talk about your career and how you can spin this towards Marlon's career as he gets going in the NFL. I don't believe he's cracked the starting lineup just yet with the Ravens, but he is getting on the field, and everybody loves what they see from him from a talent perspective. Uh, but just to hit the way back machine here, again, you were a first-round pick, albeit in the supplemental draft. To the Broncos, you had about 1,100 yards as a rookie. By year two, you you're a pro bowler with 1,200 yards. But then year three comes around, and you know what? Bobby's thinking it's time to get paid, and you have that long holdout. And basically, your NFL career was never quite the same. You, you came back, and you know by then, Gaston Green is the starter, and then the next offseason, you get traded to the Dolphins. And uh, you had a pretty decent year there, uh, but you weren't the starter. You played behind Mark Higgs. I think you were more of like a third down back at the time. Uh, But that was basically it for you in the NFL. And and, uh, you had some issues off the field. You've been very frank about some issues you had with drinking. You've been very frank with some issues you've had with drugs. You got in a fight or two. You had a, a shooting incident. You had a lot of things that a lot of professional athletes tend to be guilty of in their 20s. So I know it can be a difficult question. But when you look back on that now, with how successful you've been in life and the incredible family you've put together as you are now, who was making those decisions back then? Did you have the wrong people in your ear? Did, did you have a greedy agent? Did you have some parents or some friends in the neighborhood who were hoping to get hooked up? Or were you just a little young, a little dumb, a little full of yourself, and uh, you just didn't have the proper guidance to, to go about things maybe the right way?
1: I think you hit the nail on the head right there at the end. Uh, you know, I didn't about it for the mistakes I made. I took full responsibility for all those to cause I think every individual have an opportunity to choose and make his own choice and decision, so uh a lot of my decisions were not wise uh um obviously you know um uh, when you're a little bit of a when you're young and you're a little bit of a hot head you're successful uh, you tend to uh see things through a different set of uh uh of, of glasses and uh and I made some bad decisions um uh, and, and did some things that probably uh, uh, wasn't good for me. And, and I wouldn't necessarily say it cost me my career in the NFL, uh, but it sure didn't help it because I did end up signing with the Buffalo Bills and then I had uh, I had a couple of knee surgeries. And so that was really the reason for me um uh, not being able to continue to play in the league, you know, I had got over some things, some of the problems that I've had that I had, and uh, and and was and was kind of back on track uh, there towards the latter part of my career, my last year with the Dolphins, and then when I was with the Buffalo Bills, but I ended up getting cut because of uh, a couple of knee injuries, and uh, I made the wise decision to kind of move on, you know, the NFL is, um, you know, it's a short career. It doesn't last long. Uh, two and a half, three years is about the max. So uh, I did get over the max, and uh, uh, I'd have done some things a little bit different. Who knows? I probably could have made another Pro Bowl. Uh, I probably uh, could have extended my career for another four years, probably maxed out at eight. Uh, but I don't regret any things that that I've done and that, I, that have happened because I feel like uh, – uh, those things kind of um, uh, led me to the path that I'm on now so you know it's it's kind of those situations that you can get through and how you weather the storm and how you come out on the other side and it gives you a lot of experience and uh, but most importantly it gives you a testimony to be able to share with uh young kids like um, like my own uh, marlon and and because and my boys and my girls and anybody else who's willing list uh, so, you know, cause I got some live experience. So those experiences are shared with the youth and, uh, uh and, uh, and I'm, I was very fortunate to get to the NFL and I really, really, uh, treasured it. I just wish one thing that I would have, uh, I would have favored a moment, uh, a little better and appreciate the moment. But sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to, uh, it's kind of hard to value and see the beauty of a picture if you're in the picture. You had to step outside the picture sometimes and look at the picture to know and glorify how beautiful it is. And I don't think I ever took a moment to step outside the picture and look back at what I had. And, uh, sometimes we tend to forget that. Sometimes we have a lot more than what we think we have. Uh, and stop looking at another man plate and kind of look at things on your own plate. So, uh, but I, but I tell you what, man, uh, it was been a great career there. I enjoyed it. I'm tell you, the NFL was great. And, uh, and I'm I'm happy to be able to experience the
0: things that X Or Bobby, this is my last question for you, and it has to do with Marlon, of course. He's 21 years old. He has a five-year contract with the Ravens, valued at 11.9 million dollars. And you've lived this life before. Granted, there were a, an ex one fewer zero probably in the contract, but you've lived this life before, and you know that he's probably got some unsavory characters trying to get close to him. And he's probably got a buddy from the old neighborhood who wants him to invest in a nightclub. And all those types of things that professional athletes are subjected to because they are just lecherous people who will take advantage of them because they think that they don't have the time to make proper decisions or they don't have the educational background to know what's best for them. So how often are you in Marlon's ear about these things? And how much easier is it for you to tell him certain things? Say, hey, I made this mistake. Don't do this, son. I, I tried this once before, don't do this, son. Or growing up in your household and having those relationships and having those lessons being taught early, is Marlon going to be just fine? And you know he's going to be just fine, and you need to let him kind of be his own man at this point.
1: Well, I think uh, the time to do all that is when they are in the house. And um, a lot of that stuff has been preached and, uh, and told repetitively in my household, even before Marlon got to Hoover. Uh, so, and I've and I told all my boys and my girls that, uh, about some of my experiences, you know, and, and even to the graphic part of being shocked and and, and and what I was doing and, and what I was doing and how I was doing and all that there. So they are aware of it because I wasn't embarrassed. I was telling, you know, most of the time it went, went with me when I did most of my speaking engagements uh to tell people about my story and things that had happened to me and, and, and the life that I lived and, and 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 now what I'm doing so those things have been preached and uh now you gotta send them out and see uh, how much they'll be followed through um uh, but you know it's 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 kind of difficult you know um you know you know like I said earlier, dad is just dad you know dad really you know. You know, it's just dad. You know, what does dad really know? Sometimes comes into the, the mind of an individual, and that's not just my kids; it's all kids. You know, they tend to respect the, the opinion of a friend and someone that's not close to them than the opinion of in uh, their own family members. And that just that's just that's just life. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, but I think Marlon would be just fine. I think he's um, he's um, he's he's not a He's not an outgoing guy. He's he's a little bit more laid back and a little bit more reserved. So uh, I, I think he, I think he'll be just fine. And uh, but you know you're right. You got a lot of people that out there got some bright ideas and got some things that they want to pitch to him and want to do with him. Hopefully he is not. Uh, hopefully he's stabled and settled and understand that you know anything that he needs to do he needs to run by somebody like his. Uh, his financial assistant assist, assist people and, and, and his dad and so forth. He's been pretty good about that. So we have a pretty good relationship. So I think I think he'll be okay.
0: Bobby, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you being so open and honest. It was a great conversation. Best of luck to you and your fabulous family going forward. All right, thanks ahead. That was former Alabama running back Bobby Humphrey. Remember to follow him on Twitter at TheHump26. And thank you for listening to the Saturday Down South podcast. Special thanks to our friends at WDAE in Tampa, as well as our sponsors, Ticket City and Crystal. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever your favorite podcast is found. Be sure to give the show a rating as well. My name is John Crist, and for all SEC all the time, visit SaturdayDownSouth.com.